listener production. Hey, I'm Taria Pitt and this is my podcast, Taria Pitt is Hard Work. And I'm jumping on here today because I've got a story that I wanted to share with you and it's about my nose. So one of the things I've been trying to do is get my nose fixed. And when I say fixed, I mean so to be able to breathe properly through it because I can't do that right now. I can breathe a little bit, like for sure, but not breathing at full capacity. So I always look at people's nostrils and I'm insanely jealous of them. Just like how like large people's nostrils are. I'm like, fuck, you must get so much air through that. It's amazing. Always so impressed by that. So that's part of the reason why I want to get my nose fixed. But another part of the reason is for vanity, right? I feel like I would look better or I'd be more conventional looking if my nose was a little bit straighter, if there was a little more size in my nostrils, that type of thing. So that's been one of the one of the big projects I've been trying to make happen for like the, like the past 10 years. And I recently went and saw a nose surgeon about it. And he was basically like, yeah, it can't be done. Nothing can be done, um, which wasn't particularly reassuring. And I think one of the worries that surgeons have when they look at it is like, what she's got now isn't that bad, which is true. And if we operate on it more, we could make it worse, which is also true. But I want to take you to this story, which is... I was trying to get my nose operated on probably back in 2020, you know, another time or a previous time. And one of the surgeons that I was seeing had requested all of my files, right? She said, can you get all of your medical records from Concord Hospital? And I'm pretty good at like getting a task and just executing it and following it through. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Called up the hospital. I want all my records. You'll have to call this number. Called that number. I want all my records. And I was like, I want all of them. So like from 2011 to 2020, everything you've got, I want it. And so with this process took a little bit while, but I'm pretty good at dealing with bureaucracy. And so fast forward a couple of weeks and all of these records showed up to my house, like boxes, you know, like those legal files, you know, when you see those legal files, like that, those sort of boxes, it was like a true crime podcast, like all of these like big boxes and like big briefs of things rocked up to my house. So then I thought, okay, cool. So now I've just got to sort through all of this stuff to find what this surgeon wants. So I'm pulling out all of the things that relate to the nose, right? This is how I was spending my time at night when my whole family was asleep. I was like like a mad scientist downstairs just going through papers. And so I pulled out all the ones that related to my nose. And then I, I also found like this USB in the records. So I was like, huh, this is interesting. So I didn't know what was on the USB. So I put it in my computer and there's a folder called photos. So I click on that. And then there was a folder with dates on the photos. And the date of my accident was on the 2nd of September, 2011. And there's, there's photos in that folder which are dated 4th of September, 2011 and I know I know what the photos are going to be of they're going to be of me on a hospital bed in some kind of like you know I I knew it would be obviously very confronting for me now do you think I stepped back took a couple of deep breaths 
thought about it a little more. Oh, do you think I just fucking double clicked? I knew what I was going to say. I just double clicked, just double clicked. And then what I saw was photos of me in hospital two days after my accident. And they were really confronting because I was, I was swollen, but parts of my skin that have now been grafted, they didn't look like that. They were, it was like my old skin from before. So I looked like half of what I used to look like, but half of what I look like now. And then there was photos of my hands, which looked, they were, they were red, they were bloody, they were gory. They were partially amputated. And I saw photos of my face as well. And that looked a little bit the same. And all of these things occurred like at 10 o'clock at night. My whole family's asleep and I didn't want to, you know, I'm always, like I'm really fucking upset because I'm, I'm shocked and I'm confronted. And I just like, I slam my computer shut and I, I just step away and I, I don't really know what to do. And so I go upstairs and I'm f- feeling really anxious and... Rahidi, Rahidi's only like 10 months old at the time and I hear him cry. So I, I go into the room and I pick him up and I just I sit down in the chair and I just hold him. And there's this really good, um, I don't know what the technique is called. I think it's called grounding or something. So you think of five things that you can see, um, four things that you can hear, three things that you can, oh, I, think I've, I think I've cooked this, like three things <laughs> that you can taste two things that you can touch and so on and so on. So you go through all of the five senses. And so I did that technique. So I looked, you know, I looked at Rahidi's beautiful skin. I touched his smooth hair. I touched his little button nose. I breathed in his scent. I smelled like his milky breath. I listened to the cars passing out on the street. So I, I did that. Rahidi went back to sleep. I put him back in his cot and it was like 10, 15. So I'm like, now what the fuck am I going to do? Because there was no way, there was no way in hell that I was going to be able to sleep. I was so anxious. That hasn't been the first time that I've been really disturbed by what's happened to me and that's not the first time that I felt really anxious and overwhelmed by what's happened to me. So I knew what to do, which was like I made my bed on the couch, I took out the USB from my computer, I left it downstairs, I didn't want to touch that thing again that night and I just watched like a whole, I just watched series after series after series after series. I didn't sleep that whole night. And then at 5.30 in the morning I thought I'm going to get up and go to the gym even though I was exhausted, I didn't feel like it. I knew that just go move your body. It was weird. When I went to the gym, I was so normal. Like I said to people, hey, how you going? I had a smile. I did the gym workout. I got back in my car and then I, <laughs> I cried the whole way home. And I told Michael, and I didn't want to show him the photos because I didn't want him to get upset. And I didn't want to show my mum the photos because I didn't want her to get upset. And I didn't want to look at the photos again either because I didn't want to get upset. So I didn't really know what to do. So I just kept just kept going through the motions. Went to work, took my kids to school, 
went to the gym, went to the beach, went grocery shopping, tidied the house. I just went on autopilot for around a week. And that's that's what I've done in the past as well because I know that sometimes when you're in that state, you might not be super rational and it's, it's actually okay just to be on autopilot for a little bit. Deep down, I knew what I should do and that was to call my psychologist. And so I called her probably two weeks later. I called her. I got really, really upset. So the photos are really confronting. She's amazing. She came over. She came over a week later. We, we sat down and we, we, we looked at the photos together. And she said that was really important because maybe I had built them up to be something really bad in my mind and maybe they weren't that bad in real life. Turns out they were really bad in real life. <laughs> they, were, they were really bad in real life, but it was good that she was there with me and she was supporting me and we talked about each of the photos and about why... I found them really upsetting. And I think I found them so upsetting because in my head, I'd been burnt during this ultramarathon. Then I went to hospital and I woke up a month later in this new body. And I've gotten used to this new body and this is who I am now. But it was upsetting because I saw both old Terea and new Terea at the same time. So that was... Yeah, that that was what was upsetting. I'm such a logical person, so I'm like, well, this is it. This is your new body. Deal with it. And kind of like make the most of what you've got and get on with it and live a good life and all of that stuff. But it was it was confronting because it, I guess I realised that I'm still still the same person, which sounds really weird now that I've said it out aloud. It was confronting because I love my life, but it was also confronting because it mentally put me back there being in hospital which was an experience that I didn't I I hated also confronting because it made me think about the fire and and living through that and surviving that and like even looking at the photos I was like fuck I don't actually know how someone survives that that's catastrophic that's horrible that's like no one would be able to get through that and then also reflecting on like fuck look look at all of these things that I've lost like I've lost my fingers my body's changed all of that but at the same time like I was also proud of everything I've done after that fact and I was also you know I thought how does someone survive that and I thought well I did you did you're still here like you're living a really great life so it was just all of those emotions rolling around inside me just wanted to recap this is what I did to feel less shit the first thing was it's okay to go on autopilot when you are confronted by bad news or you're in a state of distress or turmoil do whatever you need to do to get through don't judge yourself for how you behave For me, I go on autopilot. That's how I cope 
in that time. And so I don't judge myself for doing that. I just do do what I need to do to get through it. The other thing is I think moving your body or, or doing some exercise, even if you feel tired and shit, it can be really helpful. In fact, it might make you feel a little less shit and a little a little better to cope with what it is that you're dealing. And the other thing is to speak to someone. Now, in my case, I couldn't tell Michael or my mum because I didn't want to burden them with the photos that I'd seen and I didn't want to upset them either. So I called my psychologist, who was really awesome. So if you're going through something difficult tell someone, speak to someone. It might be a mate that you feel like you can trust or it could be a counsellor or one of the many support services that are out there. Where I'm at with my nose now, I got the right records that the surgeon needed and I sent them to her and she referred me on to another doctor who referred me on to another doctor who referred me on to another doctor the most recent doctor I've seen essentially said it cannot be done and then he's referred me on to another doctor who I'm communicating with at the moment. Hey, thanks for letting me share that story with you. If you're liking what you're listening to, why don't you come give Tareen Pitt his hard work a bit of a follow? We'd love to have you. And if you liked this episode and you liked hearing about what was helpful to me during my recovery, you might like this episode because I interview my biggest inspiration, Sam Bailey. So I've got a link to that episode in the description. And if you liked this chat, you're going to love the one with Sam. Catch you next time. See you, mate. Listener.